0: What Worries IT Security Practitioners in Europe? A report from our editor from the floor of InfoSec Europe and changes coming to the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chambro Europe's largest IT security show is wrapping up And ISMG's European editor, Matt Schwartz, is there.
1: Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. I'm live from InfoSec Europe 2016, a three-day conference being held at London's Olympia Hall, covered in iron and glass. This week, it's been playing host to the largest European information security show of the year, InfoSec Europe, which is celebrating its 21st year. The organizers expect to see 15,000 visitors, and the space is packed with exhibitors. Upstairs, meanwhile, there's a keynote stage where a range of information security luminaries have been discussing everything from cybercrime and security awareness training to the Internet of Things and best practices for chief information security officers. Another big theme this year is Europe's new General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. It passed in April and takes effect in May 2018, and it's safe to say a fair few companies are now freaking out about exactly what needs to be done to comply. That goes not just for businesses based in Europe, but any organization around the world that counts any customers in Europe. The implications are massive, and suddenly, having just 23 months to gain and demonstrate compliance doesn't look like such a long time. But if I had to highlight one trend that dominates sessions, as well as the discussions that I've been having with security experts at the show, it's ransomware. I asked Rick Ferguson, vice president of security researcher Trend Micro, why ransomware just won't die. It's something which is very easy for criminals to monetize and it's something which is very easy for them to recruit in terms of networks and affiliates for distribution and it's something which is morphing into another one of those prime as a service offerings and also it's a huge pedigree, it's been around for a very long time, it's actually been around a lot longer than many people think it has, the first ransomware that I can think of and I think it was the, the genesis of ransomware, it dates all the way back to 1989 is delivered on a five and a quarter inch floppy. So the the pedigree is, is huge. But right now, the driver is financial. Now, cybercrime is a business enterprise, albeit an illicit one, and as long as there are profits to be made, criminals will try to do so. But ransomware is a simple attack, and defending against it requires little more than good anti-malware software, a security plan, and regularly backing up to disconnected drives. The fact that so many organizations continue to fall victim to ransomware attacks suggests that many of their information security practices are in a sorrier state than we had feared. As security expert Brian Honan told me at the show, the worry in recent years has really been on advanced attacks. Low, slow, long-lasting APT onslaughts. But if organizations can't stop even simple ransomware attacks, what chance do they have against advanced attackers? Live from InfoSec Europe, this is Matthew Schwartz. Eric, back to you.
0: Thanks, Matt. The National Institute of Standards and Technology intends to update its two-year-old cybersecurity framework late next year. President Obama in 2013 ordered NIST to create the framework as a voluntary guide to help critical infrastructure enterprises to secure their digital assets. Published by NIST in 2014, the framework has been a success. According to surveys conducted by Venable and Gartner, about 30% of enterprises have evaluated or adopted the framework. Matt Barrett is program manager for the cybersecurity framework, and he says don't expect a major overhaul to the framework.
2: Just to be clear, we're not headed toward a version 2.0 right now. We're definitely not. We're headed to something that's more like a 1.1.
0: How would the framework be revised? Barrett offers an example on the way the framework could address changes in the guidance on implementation tiers.
2: We've been receiving feedback all along that implementation tiers, we'd like to hear more about that. We'd like to get more clarity about that. We'd like to understand how implementation tiers are or are not linked to the framework core itself. Without changing properties of the core and without changing properties of the implementation tiers, we can provide additional verbiage from the version 1.0 document on what an implementation tier is, how one might go about measuring it, how one might use the categories or the subcategories of the core as an indicator of where they are at relative to an implementation tier. We could try to clarify those things.
0: One other thing regarding the framework. Don't expect NIST to relinquish its role governing the framework anytime soon. When the framework was first published, it was expected that another group, perhaps an industry-led consortium, would oversee the evolution of the framework. But stakeholders tell NIST they're satisfied with the job the federal agency is doing with the framework.
2: That's it, quite the compliment. A lot of parties expressed their comfort with NIST as the party leading the framework evolution and maintenance. And we sense that People were comfortable with us, but we wanted to also give folks the opportunity to say, no, I I fancy a multi-party leadership. Here's a role for public sector. Here's a role for private sector. There weren't too many parties that came forward with opinions like that. In, In fact, hardly anybody came forward. There were a few with opinions like that. So we've started in you know, our internal dialogue in this around that topic has turned a little bit more toward what does a healthy ecosystem look like for framework? What sort of process is there to nominate things for inclusion in framework? What parties nominate those things? What parties adjudicate those things? What sort of update cycle and periodicity of all of this makes sense so that we don't inadvertently stifle framework use by going too fast or too slow? And which parties are going to participate in that process all throughout? So
0: we've started thinking about it more like that. That's Matt Barrett of NIST. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. HIPAA, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, gives patients the right to access their own protected healthcare records. In the past, that meant doctors would give patients Xerox copies of their records, but like almost everything else, patient records are being digitized. To discuss a new campaign to educate patients about accessing their digital medical records, I'm joined by Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor, Marianne Kolbisak McGee. Hey, Marianne. Hey, Eric. I went to my doctor the other day, and within 24 hours, I got an email from her informing me that my test results were available online. After a couple of mass clicks, I found out that I'm healthy. Am I typical? Do most patients have electronic access to their health records?
3: Patients have the right to access their designated record set electronically or to request a copy of that. It's becoming more common for healthcare providers to make this data available via secure web portals.
0: What's the government doing to educate patients as well as providers about giving patients access to their medical records online?
3: The Department of Health and Human Services has a website, hhs.gov slash HIPAA, where patients can visit and see exactly what sort of rights they have about accessing their electronic records or requesting copies of their medical records. Here's a clip of one of the videos that they are making available online to help guide patients
0: Once you obtain your health information, you can do anything you want with it. However, it is important to make the decision to send your health information carefully and that you understand the privacy and security implications of sending your information to others
3: providers must still protect this information, you know, as they have copies of that in their systems. But once they turn this information over to the patients, it's up to the patients to make sure that they secure and keep private their copies. If they decide to send a copy to someone else, once that copy is in the possession of the patient, they're responsible. And then HHS also recommends that if patients do get an electronic copy of their records, that they should consider protecting that information, for instance, on maybe a password protected laptop or encrypted laptop, if that's something that they have available to them.
0: Are patients requesting digital records getting them in all instances?
3: Well, healthcare providers under HIPAA must provide, upon request by the patient, copies of their health records. The providers can send it, you know, by mail, for instance, or they can send it through email. The preferred method of course is to have encrypted email. But if patients say that they don't want the information to be sent via an encrypted or secure messaging system, the healthcare provider it must basically do what the patient asks, but the healthcare provider should also inform patients about the risks of data being transmitted that is unsecured. The patients agree, well, okay, sure, you know, send it to me. I don't care if it's encrypted. That's the risk that the patient is now taking. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric.
0: Finally, the nation most vulnerable to hacking attacks is Belgium. That's according to the IT security firm Rapid7. As reported by The Guardian, Rapid7 produced a heat map by scanning the entire internet for servers with their front doors wide open. And Belgium topped the list with the most servers with open doors. The EU nation was followed by Tajikistan, Samoa, Australia, and China. The U.S. came in 14th, the U.K. 23rd. Having a port open doesn't mean that the server itself is insecure, but as Rapid7 explains, the more services offered by a server, the greater the attack surface of that device. So, an enterprise with dozens of open doors would be much harder to secure than a business with just one. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.